0: chapter twelve of the fire people by ray cummings this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva the landing on mercury narrative continued by alan newland with hardly more than a perceptible tremor our strange vehicle came to rest upon the surface of mercury for a moment miela and i stood regarding each other silently "'Then she left her station at the levers of the mechanism "'and placed her hands gently on my shoulders. "'You are welcome, my husband, here to my world.' "'I kissed her glowing, earnest face. "'We had reached our journey's end. "'My work was about to begin. "'Upon my own efforts now depended the salvation "'of that great world I had left behind. "'What difficulties, what dangers, would I have to face?' here among the people of this strange planet i thrilled with awe at the thought of it and i prayed god then to hold me firm and steadfast to my purpose miela must have divined my thoughts for she said simply you will have great power here alan and it is in my heart that you will succeed we slid back one of the heavy metallic curtains and looked out through the thick glass of the window it was daylight a diffused daylight like that of a cloudy midday on my own earth an utterly barren waste met my gaze we seemed to have landed in a narrow valley huge cliffs rose on both sides to a height of a thousand feet or more these cliffs as well as the floor of the valley itself shone with a brilliant glare even in the half-light of the sunless day they were not covered with soil but seemed rather to be almost entirely metallic copper in color. The whole visible landscape was devoid of any sign of vegetation, nor was there a single living thing in sight. I shuddered at the inhospitable bleakness of it. Where are we, Miela? She smiled at my tone. It was my first sight of mercury except vague, distant glimpses of its surface through the mist coming down you do not like my world she was standing close beside me and at her smiling words raised one of her glorious red wings and spread it behind me as though for protection then becoming serious once more she answered my question we are fortunate alan it is the valley of the sun in the light country i know it well we are very close to the great city i breathed a sigh of relief i'll leave it all to you little wife shall we start at once her hand pressed mine i shall lead you now she said but afterward you it will be who leads me who leads us all she crossed to the door fastenings as she loosed them i remember i heard a slight hissing sound before i could reach her she slid back the door a great wave of air rushed in upon us sweeping us back against the wall i clutched at something for support but the sweep of wind stopped almost at once i had stumbled to my knees miela i cried in terror she was beside me in an instant wide-eyed with fear which even then i could see was fear only for me i struggled to my feet my head was roaring all the blood in my body seemed rushing to my face after a moment i felt better miela pulled me to a seat i did not think alan the pressure of the air is different here from your world it was so wrong of me for i knew it was so when i landed there on your earth i had never thought to ask her that nor had she ever spoken of it to me she went on now to tell me how when first she had opened the door on that little florida island all the air about her seemed rushing away she had felt then as one feels transported quickly to the rarefied atmosphere of a great height here the reverse had occurred we had brought with us and maintained an air density such as that near sea level on earth but here on mercury the air was far denser and its pressure had rushed in upon us instantly, the door was opened. Miela had been affected to a much less extent than I, and in consequence recovered far more quickly. The feeling after the first nausea, the pressure and pain in my ears, and the roaring in my head, had passed away. A sense of heaviness, an inability to breathe with accustomed freedom, remained with me for days. We sat quiet for some minutes, and then left the vehicle miela was dressed now as i had first seen her on the floor to bayou as we stepped upon the ground she suddenly tore the veil from her breast spread her wings and with a laugh of sheer delight flew rapidly up into the air i stood watching her my heart beating fast up up she went into the gray haze of the sky then i could see her spread her great wings motionless a giant bird soaring over the valley a few moments more and she was again beside me alighting on the tip of one toe with perfect poise and grace almost within reach of my hand i did not quite know what feelings possessed me at that moment perhaps it was a sense of loss as i saw this woman i loved fly away into the air while i remained chained to the ground i cannot tell but when she came back dropping gently down beside me ethereal and beautiful as an angel from heaven itself a sudden rush of love swept over me i crushed her to me glorying in the strength of my arms and the frailness of her tender little body when i released her she looked up into my eyes archly you do not like me to fly your wife is free and-oh alan it is so good so good to be back here again where i can fly she laughed at my expression you are a man too like all the men of my world that is the feeling you came here to conquer alan so that the women here may all keep their wings and be free i think i was just a little ashamed of myself for a moment but i knew my feeling had been only human i did want her to fly to keep those beautiful wings and in that moment they came to represent not only her freedom but my trust in her my very love itself i stroked their sleek red feathers gently with my hand i shall never feel that way again miela i said earnestly she laughed once more and kissed me and the look in her eyes told me she understood the landscape from this wider viewpoint seemed even more bleak and desolate than before the valley was perhaps half a mile broad and wound away upward into a ball range of mountains in the distance the ground under my feet was like a richly metallic ore in places it was wholly metal smooth and shining like burnished copper below us the valley broadened slightly falling into what i judged must be open country where lay the city of our destination for some minutes i stood appalled at the scene i had often been in the deserts of america but never have i felt so great a sense of desolation always before it had been a lack of water that made the land so arid and always the scene seemed to hold promise of latent fertility as though only moisture were needed to make it spring into fruition nothing of the kind was evident here there was indeed no lack of water i could see a storm cloud gathering in the distance the air i was breathing seemed unwarrantably moist and all about me on the ground little pools remained from the last rainfall but here there was no soil not so much even as a grain of sand seemed to exist the air was warm as warm as a midsummer's day in my own land a peculiarly oppressive moist heat i had been prepared for this by miela i was bareheaded since there never was to be direct sunlight my feet were clad in low shoes with rubber soles i wore socks for the rest i had on simply one of my old pairs of short uh, white running pants and a sleeveless running shirt. With the exception of the shoes, it was exactly the costume I had worn in the races at college. I had been standing motionless, hardly more than a step from the car in which we had landed. Suddenly, in the midst of my meditation on the strange scene about me, Miela said, Go there, Alan. She was smiling, and pointing to a little rise of ground nearby. I looked at her blankly, jump Alan, she added the spot to which she pointed was perhaps forty feet away i knew what she meant and stepping back a few paces came running forward and leaped into the air i cleared the intervening space with no more effort than i could have jumped less than half that distance on earth miela flew over beside me you see Alan, my husband "'It is not so bad, perhaps, that I can fly.' She was smiling whimsically, but I could see her eyes were full of pride. "'There is no other man on Mercury who could do that, Alan,' she added. "'I tried successive leaps then, always with the same result. "'I calculated that here the pull of gravity must be something less than one-half that on the Earth. "'It was far more than Father had believed.' miela watched my antics laughing and clapping her hands with delight i found i tired very quickly that is i was winded this i attributed to the greater density of the air i was breathing in five minutes i was back at miela's side panting heavily if i can ever get so i breathe right i said she nodded a very little time i think I sat down for a moment to recover my breath. Miela explained, then, that we were some ten miles from the fertile country surrounding the city in which her mother lived, and about fifteen miles from the outskirts of the city itself. I give these distances as they would be measured on earth. We decided to start at once. We took nothing with us. The journey would be a short one, and we could easily return at some future time for what we had left behind we needed no food for so short a trip and plenty of water was at hand only one thing miela would not part with-the single memento she had brought from earth to her mother she refused to let me touch it but insisted on carrying it herself guarding it jealously it was beth's little ivory hand mirror we started off miela had wound the filmy scarf about her shoulders again with a pretty little gesture i need not use wings alan when i am with you we shall go together you and i on the ground and then as i started off vigorously she added plaintively from behind if if you will go slow my husband or will wait for me i altered my pace to suit hers i had quite recovered my breath now and for the moment felt that i could carry her much faster than she could walk i did gather her into my arms once and ran forward briskly while she laughed and struggled with me to be put down she seemed no more than a little child in my arms but as before the heavy air so oppressed me that in a few moments i was glad enough to set her again upon her feet the valley broadened steadily as we advanced for several miles the look of the ground remained unchanged i wondered what curious sort of metal this might be so like copper in appearance i doubted if it were copper since even in this hot moist air it seemed to have no property of oxidation i asked miela about it and she gave me its mercutian name at once but of course that helped me not a bit she added that outcroppings of it almost in the pure state like the great deposits of native copper i had seen on earth occurred in many parts of mercury i remembered then bob trevor's mention of it as the metal of the apparatus used by the invaders of wyoming we went on three or four miles without encountering a single sign of life no insects stirred underfoot no birds flew overhead we might have been by the look of it alone on a dead planet is none of your mountain country inhabited miela i asked she shook her head only on the plains do people live there is very little good land in the light country and so many people that it is which has caused so much trouble in the past it is for that many times the twilight people have made war upon us i found myself constantly able to breathe more easily our progress down the valley seemed now irritatingly slow for i felt i could walk or run three times faster than miela finally i suggested to her that she fly keeping near me and that i would make the best speed forward i could she stared at me quizzically then seeing i was quite sincere she flung her little arms up about my neck and pulled me down to kiss her Oh, alan, the very best husband in all the universe you are. None other could there be like you. She had just taken off her scarf again when suddenly I noticed a little speck in the sky ahead. It might have been a tiny bird flying toward us from the plains below. Miela, look. She followed the direction of my hand. The speck grew rapidly larger. A girl, alan, she said after a moment. Let us wait we stood silent, watching. It was indeed a girl, flying over the valley some two or three hundred feet above the ground. As she came closer, I saw her wings were blue, not red, like Miela's. She came directly toward us. Suddenly, Miela gave a little cry, Anina! Anina! Without a word to me, she spread her wings and flew up to meet the oncoming girl. I stood in awe as I watched them— they met almost above me and i could see them hovering with clasped hands while they touched cheeks in affectionate greeting then releasing each other they flew rapidly away together smaller and smaller until a turn in the valley hid them entirely from my sight i sat down abruptly a lump was in my throat a dismal lonesomeness in my heart i knew miela would return in a moment that she had met some friend or relative. Yet I could not suppress the vague feeling of sorrow and the knowledge of my own incapacity that swept over me. For the first time, then, I wanted wings, wanted them myself, that I might join this wife I loved in her glorious freedom of the air. And I realized, too, for the first time, how that condition Miela so deplored on Mercury had come to pass i could understand now very easily how it was that married women were deprived by their husbands of these wings which they themselves were denied by the creator hardly more than ten minutes had passed before i saw the two girls again flying toward me they alighted a short distance away and approached me hand in hand the girl with miela i could see now was somewhat shorter, even slighter of build, and two or three years younger. Her face held the same delicate, wistful beauty. The two girls strongly resembled one another in feature. The newcomer was dressed in similar fashion to Miela, sandals on her feet and silken trousers of a silvery white fastened at the ankles with golden cords. Her wings, as I have said, were blue, a delight light blue that as i afterward noticed matched her eyes her hair was the color of spun gold she wore it in two long thick braids over her shoulders and fastened at the waist and knee she was in very truth the most ethereal human being i had ever beheld and next to miela the most beautiful miela pulled her forward and she came on blushing with the sweet shyness of a child she was winding her silk and silver scarf about her breast hastily as best she could with her free hand my sister anina alan said miela simply the girl stood undecided then evidently obeying miela's swift words of instruction she stood up on tiptoe put her arms about my neck and kissed me full on the lips miela laughed gayly. you must love her very much alan and she your little sister will love you too she is very sweet then her face sobered suddenly tao has returned alan and he has sent messengers to our city they are appealing to our people to join tao in his great conquest they say tao has here with him on mercury a captive earthman with wonderful strength of body, who will help in the destruction of his own world. End of chapter 12